This morning, let's talk about the departed. Our text is going to be 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, this Transfiguration Sunday. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing upon us. We pray that your spirit would fall upon us. We pray that you would cause the word to be preached accurately and to be heard accurately, that it might be done accurately. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. During the peak of COVID back in April 2020, I flew out of Los Angeles International Airport and no one was on the plane. No planes on the runway waiting for departure. No one in the airport itself. It was the easiest departure on an airplane that I've ever experienced. The scriptures present departures as well. There are a number of symbolic departures in the Bible. And when we see someone depart, we need to ponder what God is trying to communicate. This morning in 2 Kings chapter 2, we'll see Israel departs. Israel departs. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now it says there, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now everything that the prophet does is deeply symbolic and typological. Deeply symbolic and typological. It's pointing forward to the Christ. Now what went through Elijah's mind when he was engaging in these acts and speaking these words? I don't know. I don't know if he knew what was going on and what the future would hold, but everything that he does in the providence of God is pointing forward to the Christ. Now Elijah here in chapter 2 has just called down fire from heaven. King Ahaziah in chapter 1 has fallen from a roof. He's injured himself. He believes he's dying. And so what he does in that circumstance is he sends out messengers to inquire of the priests of Baal. Instead of going to the priests of Israel, instead of inquiring of a prophet in Israel, he sends his messengers to inquire of priests of a false god. Well, he doesn't come, and he sends a message back that disturbs Ahaziah. So Ahaziah becomes angry, and he sends men to go find Elijah and bring him to him. He sends three groups of 50 men each to get Elijah. And the first group comes, and they find Elijah sitting on a hill. And the captain goes up and says, Elijah, come down and present yourself before the king. Elijah calls down fire from heaven. They're roasted alive. A second captain with 50 men comes to Elijah and finds him on a hill. Same thing happens. Goes up and says, Elijah, come down. The king wants to see you. Fire comes down from heaven and roasts them alive. The third time, a group of 50 men with their captain come. And the captain comes up and prostrates himself before Elijah and says, Please have mercy upon me and my men. Will you please come? Man of God. And Elijah says, He called me a man of God. You came and asked properly, I will grant this thing. And so he was spared. Three groups, 50 men. And that final group on the third time received resurrection from certain death. 
The king sent a captain three times with 50 men to the command of Elijah to come down. The last captain asked with respect and was resurrected. Now Elijah and Elisha have this conversation that we see here three times. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. When Elijah said, go, stay here, don't come with me. Elijah and Elisha are coming here in these first two verses from Gilgal. Gilgal. Gilgal is the place where Joshua and the people of Israel in the conquest came to the Jordan River and it parted. And there they camped out. And there they made, they made memorials. Twelve stones at their campsite and twelve stones laid in the river itself. There they celebrated the Passover because they hadn't been circumcised in the wilderness. There they rested before coming and conquest in the land. And now they're going to Bethel. They're going to Bethel, the house of God. Verse 3. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. There were schools of prophets in the days going forward from Saul. No one really knows who these guys were or what they were doing or why they were there. But notice this. The increasing prominence of prophets in Israel in days of sin. When the king is not doing the duty that he should do toward the Lord. When the priests aren't doing their duties properly and instructing the people, God raises up prophets and brings the difficult messages that they should have brought. There was a school of prophets at Bethel. And notice here, the prophets know Elijah's departure is soon, but so does the prophet Elisha. Verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The second time of three times this conversation is going to occur. And Elijah comes to Jericho. Jericho, the first city conquered in the promised land. After Joshua and the Israelites came into the land in conquest, and they now come to Jericho. Are you noticing a pattern here? Elijah and Elisha are retracing the steps of Joshua and the Israelites in their conquest in the land. But notice they're doing it in reverse. Going on here, we see in verse 5. I'm sorry, in verse 6. It says here, Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me. I'm sorry, verse 5. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. The prophets know of Elijah's departure, and so does Elisha. Now, why did he say be quiet? What was the reason why he said, Yes, I know this thing, but keep quiet? Well, some people believe that Elisha said this not because it was supposed to be a secret, but because it was too painful for him to consider. Elisha functions as a son to Elijah. They become very close, and now he knows that Elijah is preparing to leave, and it saddens him greatly. Going on here to verse 6, Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood some distance from them, and they were both standing by the Jordan. 
Now this conversation has been repeated three times. In the prior chapter, we've got three groups of 50 men that come to Elijah, and now we have this conversation that occurs three times. There's three scattered all over the Old Testament, and the Israelites of old must have pondered at this. What's the nature of the threes? What are these threes about? Well, they're all pointing forward to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three days in the tomb, and then a wake up. This conversation here is repeated three times, and so I submit to you, someone's about to die and resurrect, just like the captain in the last chapter died and resurrected. Now the sons of the prophets notice here number 50. What's up with 50? Well, Israel's calendar is all set down in sevens. You got seven days. You come to the seventh day and you have the Sabbath day and it's the end of the old week. The new one's waiting to begin. But Israel's yearly calendar follows the same principle. And we see that they have seven year cycles. And when you get to the seventh year, it's a Sabbath year. You're supposed to let your fields rest. You're supposed to set your indentured servants free. But then you have seven sevens, and the seven sevens result in the 50th year, and it's a gigantic super cycle of sevens. And in the 50th year, known as the year of Jubilee, everyone's set free. Prisoners are liberated. Slaves are set free. Debts are forgiven. People who had fallen into bankruptcy and had to mortgage off their property received their property back. Everyone was supposed to go back to their ancestral lands. The year of Jubilee was a super cycle and something new was about to begin. We've got 50 men three times in the prior chapter and now we've got 50 prophets standing here. Something's about to end and something big is about to begin. And notice they're standing by the Jordan. Elisha and Elisha have retraced the steps in reverse of Joshua, and now they're standing on the shore of the Jordan River. They're standing in the land, and they're looking out of the land. They're standing at the spot that Joshua would have come through after he'd entered the land. Going on to verse 8, then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. Sound familiar? This happened at the Red Sea, and it happened right there at the Jordan River, right there where they're standing. When Israel entered the land under Joshua, the Jordan River parted. The Jordan River parted when the skin of the feet of the priests touched the water. When Joshua came to the land on that far shore across the river outside the land where Elijah and Elisha are standing, we see that the priests came first, carrying the Ark of the Covenant on poles. They came before the people, and when the feet, the skin of their feet touched the water of the Jordan, it parted, and Israel crossed in on dry land and came in in conquest. When the prophet of Israel departed the land here, Elijah we see that it parted when his rolled up cloak touched the water. Now remember who Elijah is. He's a wild man prophet. He wears garments of skin. His cloak is probably made of skin. And when he rolls it up and the skin of the cloak touches the water, it parts as well. And now Elijah and Elisha depart the land 
and they go to the far shore of the Jordan River. The priests carried the ark of the Lord, and they were the first ones to go when the water parted. And what did the ark of the covenant represent? It represented the presence of God with the people of God. But Elijah is the living presence of God with the people of God in a time of priestly and kingly apostasy. Going on to verse 9. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. What's going on here? What's this double portion about? In Deuteronomy, in the law, the firstborn son inherits a double portion. That's what Elisha is asking for. Elisha is Elijah's spiritual son. I believe Elisha is not asking for more power, but to be Elijah's heir as the prophet of Israel. And notice the condition for blessing. Watchfulness. Watchfulness. Watch. If you see me when I depart, then it shall be for you. If you don't see me when I depart, then it shall not be for you. The condition of blessing is watchfulness. Friends, I want to say this. If you want to be blessed, be watchful. If you want to be blessed, kids, be watchful. Be watchful when the Lord drops blessings on you. Be watchful for what the Lord wants you to do. Be watchful for when God might drop business opportunities for you. Be watchful in discipling your children so they're rock solid in dark times. Be watchful for when God drops the opportunity for you to share the gospel. And like Elisha, you want to be blessed? Stay watchful. Verse 11, And as they still went on and talked, Behold, the chariots of fire and the horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Elijah was taken gloriously into heaven to forecast the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, maybe some of you are asking this question this morning. What's up with this weird story from the Old Testament in the season of Epiphany? Why is this story from the Old Testament utilized on this morning in the season of Epiphany known as Transfiguration Sunday? The season of the revealing of the Christ. Well, because today is Transfiguration Sunday when Elijah, Israel's prophet who departed, comes again. Elijah, taken up in a whirlwind, alive into heaven. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know how he was transformed. I assume that he was transformed into spirit just like we will be when we die in this life before the final resurrection. But he comes again. And from our gospel text this morning in Mark chapter 9, verse 2 through 4, we read this. After six days. Isn't that interesting? After six days. It's the seventh day. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. 
And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. That's why that text is part of our readings this morning. Elijah departed, and he comes again on the Mount of Transfiguration. On the Mount of Transfiguration, where we've got threes again. Notice that. We've got two old covenant saints, and we've got the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the second person of the Godhead, was there in the old covenant. He was the author of the old covenant. And we've got three new covenant apostles who are there as well to witness these events. Jesus is transformed. His clothes become bright like light. It's not simply they're bleached, they're glowing. And with him glowing as well is Elijah the prophet who departed and Moses. Why Moses? Because Moses' departure is also mysterious. We're told that when Moses died, God took his body and hid it. Why? Because the Israelites would have likely made a shrine out of it and begun to engage in false worship. So Moses as well mysteriously departed this life and here they are on the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes again, does Elijah, because the greater Israel, Jesus has re-entered the land in conquest. Jesus goes across the Jordan River after his baptism. Jesus makes war on the devil and beats him down. And Jesus is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, showing his glory when he resurrects on the third day. His coming across the Jordan River is in conquest, but this time it's not just Israel. It's the entire world, brethren. And you're part of that army that's streaming across this age and across this world in conquest. You may have noticed that Elisha tore his garments in two after Elijah had been taken into heaven. Why? They're outside the land. The Jordan River's parted. The presence of God with the people of God, the prophets of God, exit the land. They've departed the land. Judgment's coming. The two kingdoms that have arisen are going to be judged soon. Israel, the northern kingdom, is getting ready to go off into exile into the Assyrian Empire. So what's the transfiguration all about? The transfiguration gives us hope in our own transfiguration on the last day. You will be glorious like the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be powerful and sinless, never to die again. And that's the message of the transfiguration. In November 1971, a man who identified himself as D.B. Cooper told the staff on his Northwest Airlines flight that he had a bomb. He demanded a $200,000 ransom and several parachutes when the plane landed in Seattle. He then commanded that the plane be flown to Mexico. Somewhere while heading toward Reno, Nevada, D.B. Cooper departed the plane by parachuting out of the back and was never seen again. Elijah departed from this life by being swept up in God's whirlwind and was never seen again until he showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration, mysteriously, and inexplicably alive with Moses. This morning in 2 Kings chapter 2, we've seen Israel departs. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Transfiguration Day. We thank you for the forecasting of the Transfiguration. 
We pray that you would help us even this week to live in the light that we are now those who are headed for full glorification and are even tasting its first fruits now. Help us to tell others about it and gather them into the feast amongst those who will be glorified. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.